We just live right now, man. It's going down, excited for the season. You know, we coming off a playoff win. I mean, you know, we had a couple wins. You're in a lot of trouble, and maybe it's because... Well, sorry, Canada. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> Toronto. And because Philly sucks. I feel like I fear Boston most of all out of any of the Eastern Conference teams. Nah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Brew Who Podcast, episode 55. Thank you to those of you who are uh, anyone tuning in to the live stream today. This is Adam Paris, co-managing editor, brewhoop.com. Anyone listening on the podcast, thank you for downloading, keeping subscribed during this basketball hiatus that we're all on. Uh, Hope everyone's keeping safe, doing well. As per usual, I'm joined by Kyle Carr and Riley Feldman on this wonderful Sunday morning to break our, our give us a little break from from the real world and talk a little Bucks basketball for whatever content there is. So, how are you guys doing today? Doing pretty good. I ordered two sets of running shoes this week from the local, you know, whatever running shop around the corner here. They've been closed, but you can order stuff online. And like the running shoes are super expensive, but you can feel the difference. Like I put. I don't know, a couple hundred miles in the last set and your legs just get dead immediately after even just like a five mile run. So been enjoying that. And unfortunately, I went for a run right before we recorded and I was sitting, stretching out front of the building and my dog came out because they were going to go for a walk. So I got roped into that, which is why I'm still wearing the outfit I wore when I just got done running and I'm totally nasty right now. So just everything up front. That's my state right now. Yeah, I let me think. Oh, I figured out what was wrong with my Internet. Um, I told that when Charter came out, looked at it, and squirrels had chewed through the cable. So the fibers were all just like <laughs> sticking out, which is why my internet has been so shit the last couple weeks. Um, otherwise, things are good. I got a new pair of Air Force Ones that I got to customize, and they were supposed to be for the Ford Madison season, so they're pink and blue. Um, it, I love, They feel great. Big fan of Air Force Ones in general, so when slash if the season ever starts, I will be able to wear those to every Ford Madison home game and it will look great. Wow. I didn't get the shoe memo this week, I guess. I didn't know you guys were getting new kicks. Those sound, those sound great. They are. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> yes. Worth the money. Worth the money. Customization. Yeah. Oh, uh, the running shoe thing, Riley, is something I, I recently got into. I, I'm I'm an idiot and was wearing like the same pair of shoes for like four years. And uh, I would <laughs> run, you know, been there. run like five days a week. And then, but when the sole had reached my sh- my, my foot, I was like, <laughs> well, I guess we probably should get something safer here. So I, I, I feel your pain. You were like doing that, um, the minimalist shoe. Remember like, it must've been six or seven years ago where everybody was doing the skeleton shoes where it was literally just a piece of plastic over your foot <laughs> to like prevent pieces of glass from going through <laughs> through your foot or whatever. I honestly contemplated getting those one time because not even just for running, just so I could just slip them on, take Geo for a walk and then I'd be good. Yeah. It was not for any athletic ability whatsoever. <laughs> Uh, of course, thank you to our live stream commenters, uh, NSR983. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, it is, yeah, we are talking about the shoes and then not showing them, but uh, you got to gotta keep Hold it suspense. On, well, mine's on my Twitter, so 
give me a moment. I could probably pull it up if I can find the picture. I'll go. I'll also, while we're recording, because obviously we have a ton of stuff to talk about today, I'll go look for links <laughs> and put it in the comments for people to, people to look at as well. So that should be no problem. A Crocs yeah. guy, too, from R983. So not sure if those are going to be great for getting the miles in, but you know, I can't knock it till I try it. So I'm not going to say one way or the other. God. Yeah, I'm just not a runner. So I'm no, <laughs> it's just not happening. Yeah, I remember uh, I hurt my I had like a really bad farm accident a couple years back and I like I like destroyed a couple bones in my foot. And I was asking my buddy who's like a kinesiologist. He's like getting his PhD. I was like, hey, man, what type of shoes should I be running in? Like, are there some good ones for my foot? And he's like, yeah, well, these skeleton shoes, they're supposed to really help you. And I was like, all right, well, like my foot like fell apart three mm-hmm. or four years ago. Is that an issue? He's like, yeah, don't don't do that. Wear as many as large of a sole as possible, actually. Otherwise, you're going to absolutely shatter your foot into a million pieces again. It's interesting because I was in the same spot where I just bought like whatever $40 pairs of shoes from Kohl's, which, you know, yes. no disrespect to the $40 pairs of shoes from Kohl's. This stuff gets it done in a pinch. However, <laughs> when I started upping the mileage, I was like, there's got to be something slight, <laughs> slightly better than these Nikes from three years ago. So when I started looking into it, I was like, they seem expensive, but probably worth the investment. And they were. So uh, I highly recommend, you know, obviously if all you can get or all you really care about is just some light workout, the $40 from Kohl's, they're going to get it done. But uh, yeah, it was probably about time a couple years ago. And I'm Glad to hear that you upgrade as well, because it's just good for your whatever foot, like health, stuff like that, and lets you do a lot more. So, Yeah, I have flat feet, so I need to buy shoes with a lot of arch support on it, which that's the weirdest feeling in the world. But here is the shoe. So, Love that bubblegum pink on that. That looks... Yeah, that's really it. nice. So that is the Air Force Ones customized by myself for the Ford Madison season, if I ever get to wear them this year. Wow. I like those a lot. I, I never do the colorways. One, I didn't know what that th- that was until the Giannis <laughs> shoes came out, and then everyone was talking about the colorways. Yeah. Two, I just know I would pick the worst colors. Like, even if I tried to do the Bucks colors, I think I would, like, pick the wrong green or something, and it just would look like absolute garbage. So I, I just never even dabble in that. Well, that's the toughest part is I spent probably a couple hours trying to, like, get it to work because I was like, I feel like it's too much pink, or I feel like that's too much blue, and maybe I should have some white. I don't know. It, so I, was, I probably spent like three or four hours trying to find the right customization. And it, it turned out well, but there's only a few types of shoes. And I mean, if I wanted to spend like $190, I could have gotten a different pair um, and customized those. But Air Force ones were only like 130 which for basketball, for just general sneakers and basketball shoes in general, I can, I can afford that. So, mm-hmm. <sighs> Well, this has been sneaker sneaker yeah. chat yeah thanks for coming on through everybody appreciate it sneaker sunday uh yeah thanks the revelation r983 is a crocs pickup basketball guy um we can all visualize that now here's our, lo- our local y do you have <laughs> r983 do you have any left is my question oh uh, all right guys well so the bucks news is a little light this week um you know basically uh we did hear from a couple of conference calls they had this week, both with Bud uh, and Horst, and then a couple of the players um, look like Giannis, Chris, Eric Bledsoe, and Brooke Lopez were all on conference calls. Um, thanks, as always, to Eric Name and Matt Velasquez for continuing to write articles about uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, even during this hiatus, giving us a little glimpse into the conference call and what sort of content was going on there. Guys, the 
revelatory articles that were written out of that uh, on ESPN.com, courtesy of Eric Woodyard, talked about how the Bucks are, are preparing like the, the time is going to come back, like the season is going to come back. That's what mm-hmm. Bud and Horse said. Mm-hmm. That uh, <laughs> that was about the extent of it. We learned Bud has been watching Yellowstone, Ozark, and Game of Thrones, but staying ready is the main focus right now. Um you know, pretty pretty much party line stuff uh, from the the Bucks top brass, the the executives. Um, anything uh, interesting or revealing uh, that you find uh, about these? Uh, what Bud and Horst are doing <laughs> in this basketball hiatus? Uh, not particularly. I think <laughs> what what was most revelatory was the fact that they are essentially living the same exact lifestyle that we're all living and we're all kind of in this weird suspension state. And it's like, well, and I got this free time to watch like those TV shows that people <laughs> have been suggesting for years now. So I guess, you know, what I got out of it was these guys are just like us. And in a way that's really quite comforting to me. So i uh, quite appreciative of that revelation that ends. It sounded like, you know, Brooke Lopez hinting at there being a wine cave, which I mean, you know, <laughs> is that like, I like to imagine that there's some sort of like slight hill because obviously most of Southeast Wisconsin is pretty flat and like Bud just had them excavate out a giant hole in the grounds that he put a wine cave in or I don't even know what the deal is. So I would love some pictures of Bud's wine cave, but otherwise, uh, yeah, there wasn't anything that I thought of was like, wow, this is some crazy preparation. We're going to come back and definitely win the championship after all this. So that's what I got out of it. Yeah, I think what I got was that none of the players, like even Giannis and Chris, didn't have like a basketball hoop or a basketball court, which I th- I thought they would have had that, at least Giannis would, just because he did have that house. But yeah, kind of the same thing, just all the shows, except I'm not really watching any new shows. I'm kind of just re-watching Scrubs and maybe like a few documentaries here and there. Um I finished Tiger King, which that will be in the film review, and that was even more <laughs> wild. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just kind of like the laissez-faire, yet everyone's still expected the season to come back. And I feel like that's the general mindset is the season will end. It's just a matter of is it going to happen in the middle of June? Is it going to happen in July? Are we going to possibly wait until the fall, take a short break, and then reconvene back at Christmas? So I think that's what stood out to me is that they're still expecting the season to continue. And I think, I think any league that is at least 50% or 75% done are going to try and just do their best to finish this season and then just punt on, you know, punt on trying to figure out the next year while other leagues that either just started or haven't started yet are probably going to be not happening in 2020. Yeah, they floated, uh, I think it was this past week, was the the Las Vegas like quarantine playoff scenario was floated. Um, I didn't read a whole lot about the specifics. I mean, just in general, any ideas like that that are floated right now seem uh, ill-advised and not really like they're going to be feasible at this moment, just given how the rapidity with which things are changing uh, day to day, week to week. Um, you know, I, I, I tend to agree. I think you're right, Kyle, that, that they're going to try their hardest to, to finish out the season, find some way to get a champion. Um, and obviously all the Bucks players are sort of preparing like that. But, uh, you know, it, it is weird to think about all of these players, like not even like Giannis basically saying, I'm not even playing basketball right now. Um, I could, I guess he should have wound up buying that old, what was it like a church or a school where the the training facility used to be? Mm-hmm. I guess he should have just bought that uh, back in the day. 
Yeah, it's that is strange. Like, I don't know why I would assume that all basketball players automatically have also like basketball courts <laughs> attached, but I generally assume when you're out there buying like a house, when you're like the top earner type of guy, you'd probably have at least like something <laughs> like Chris Middleton said, like he could go over to like his neighbor's house who has like a hoop in the front yard, like on the driveway. I'm like, okay, <laughs> like I suppose it's better than nothing. But um, I, I suppose the one thing I'd worry about is we're going to get like the equivalent of fat OJ Mayo, like for somebody on the team, like somebody's going to come back fall, winter, whatever, and they're going to be fat, insert player name here. I don't know who that player is going to be, and hopefully it's not a criti critical component. <laughs> like, if it's fat DJ Wilson, it is what it is at that point. I'm not too worried about it. If it's, like, you know, fat Wes Matthews, that's going to be a problem. So I suppose I'm not concerned that they're not playing basketball because it seems like that's going to be a problem for essentially the entire league unless dudes are doing, like, illegal, not illegal, but, you know, under the table workouts at their facilities or something along those lines. So it'll be a problem league wide. Uh, I guess the concern would be if somebody gets really out of shape or you know, because the bucks are such an old team, it is nice that they have this time to recuperate and get fresh and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, whenever the season starts, whether it be four five, six months from now, you know, guys like Kyle Korver, who's already old as dust, comparatively for a basketball player west matthews is a little bit older george hill like all those guys are going to be you know six months isn't a ton but when you're at that stage in your career if depending on what you're doing in this interim that might be the difference between being able to keep up throughout you know the course of even a shortened playoff run so that's what i'd be kind of concerned about but guys like chris guys like Giannis, i have faith that they're still working out it sounds like the bucks did a good job of like doling out equipment to them to just have on hand to keep and developing workouts for them. So I'm not concerned about the fitness so much, just more so guys who are a little bit older and how they're going to adjust once we come back. Yeah. Uh, R983 chimes in, not worried about them being in shape, more worried about the cold shooting. Like what's Giannis going to look like from the free throw line. I'm curious. Could only about be that. better. Could only be better from what it was when we went into this break. So I know yeah, well, the it's only kinda... person I'm worried about with shooting is Middleton just because he is 100% a rhythm type guy where it takes him a while before he can get going. So I think Middleton and George Hill are like the two that I'm worried about with their shooting while someone like Brooke or even Dante, it's like maybe that this break helps them uh, just because whatever out of sorts they were with their shooting that might get rectified and fixed later on. Yeah, it, it's going to be odd. I, I'm curious, like the balance of, is it a, is it a benefit to the books that they have this system that, they are just have so in, it's like so ingrained into their head. Like, does that mean that they don't necessarily need as much encore chemistry time to turn, come back and gel compared to like a team like the Clippers or the Lakers that had clearly kind of, you know, the Lakers, I would say less so, but the Clippers definitely had started hitting their stride lately, you know, as the season was winding down, you know, is it, would it be more beneficial Riley, you think for the bucks to have this sort of system and maybe in a shortened playoff scenario, like that would be to their benefit. In theory, I would think so, especially because what the upside was going into the season was the fact that there was so much continuity across the roster. Like the only guy that they lost was Malcolm Brogdon. And we don't have to talk about the Brogdon debate, even though I guess brought it up every podcast. But because of the way, like you said, the system is, you can absorb that kind of loss and what he does relatively simply in the course of like a 48 minute stretch throughout a game. And so in theory, 
but the other thing is, you know, we were already, did we get to like 60 games? Is it about 60 games? I can't remember how much it was, yeah. but you know, I think for a lot of the teams at that point, we had already kind of moved past the, we're still trying to figure out how to play with one another. Now the Clippers, you're right. They hit their stride. They were a little bit different because they seemed to be a lot more heavy on like load management and whether or not Kawhi felt like playing any given night or things of that nature. But I think for most teams, they had kind of already, if you were going to be competitive and you've heard already look kind of looking for chemistry, probably already had at that point. And we can even just look at like the Raptors from last year through Kawhi in there. He was kind of hit or miss throughout the season, whether or not he played and then playoffs comes around and he kind of puts it all together. And so it's a benefit, probably those first round or two when we're all coming back and people are just kind of getting used to, you know, it's so ingrained in these guys, what they're supposed to do. So that'll be a benefit. But you know, once you get to like, the third round or into the finals, maybe at that point it won't be as big of a boost. So, you know, and in theory, the first round should have been relatively easy for the Bucks, anyhow, and hopefully the second round the same. So, you know, is it a benefit marginally, but a huge one? I'm not so sure about that. Yeah, it's it's just it's it's hard with everything being up in the air. Uh, and you know, the only other thing that we came out from this week was the NBA and. Players Association is trying to televise like a horse competition or something, which I didn't even read any more details on that. But also, like, I presume that it'd have to be like players maybe in a gym or because they clearly can't play at their homes, obviously. Mm -hmm. Like Chris Middleton doesn't even have a hoop in his front yard, I guess, to play on. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I, I I can't really draw up a whole lot of excitement for a horse competition. I think it was at the they had it at the All-Star for a couple of years, but I, I never even really tuned in. It's this weird place right now with sports because given the seriousness of the situation, giving everything else, the sort of suddenness with which everything stopped, it feels almost frivolous or not frivolous or not even ill-advised, but just sort of silly that it's like we have Adrian Wojnarowski sending out a tweet. It got like 60,000 likes. That was like, <laughs> they're planning a horse competition that would be televised live on ESPN. I'm like, it just feels like we're just grasping at straws and, you know, part of that can be reflected in this podcast, I would say, as we slowly run out of things to talk about <laughs> or like, you know, I know a couple of weeks ago I posted in the Monday morning media run. I was like, what, what should we discuss? And people were like, oh, we can do like analysis of, you know, the other teams, how they dealt with their defensive scheme versus certain opponents, how the Bucks might match up with them and things like that. And I can appreciate all that and this desire to return to normal. But because, like you said, everything's so up in the air, it like it's tough to motivate to be like, let's break down the Raptors film because it might not matter for the next six months until Christmas. Anyhow, how this is. So it's just this weird place for the league, for us, for everybody. I'm sure. I mean, as much as I would like the season to continue just because we made it this far and it looks so promising. It's difficult. I think probably even for the players to really motivate and say, Hey, let's do these events just to return. I'm sure they want some normalcy, but it's just kind of a, a weird spot to be in. I think. Yeah, and I think as I've learned um, for lower league soccer, they're deciding to play Rocket League and, you know, have it like treating it like it's a eSport as it is. So they're having players and they're having commentators. And I'm not going to say Rocket League is the most exciting thing to watch, but it's definitely not exciting to watch. Thankfully, it was only 30 minutes, so it was done and over with. But just stuff like that where even like horse, it's like, I don't, you might as well just replay old games because that will at least be more entertaining than trying to throw together a bunch of video games. And I think I'm just one of those people that doesn't really like watching other people play video games. So 
you know, that or horse. It's just like stuff like that where it's I get that you have to come up with content, but at the same time, I think everyone's slowly trying to find other things to do without sports and just trying to throw together something haphazardly isn't really the best solution. And I think the toughest part is we don't know when anything's coming back because, you know, you have like Toronto, which has banned public events until I think it's like end of June. Mm -hmm. So then it's kind of like, okay, I'm the one side, probably not going to have anything till the end of June. Or you're looking at the governor of California saying, I don't think the NFL is going to start in the fall and we're probably not going to allow it to happen anyway. So you're looking at stuff like that where it's like every state has a different approach and a different feel to how they're best going to handle it because as and other states have different peaks as well. Like Wisconsin's peak is going to happen sometime in May. Michigan's peak is happening like right now. You know, New York City is probably either in their peak or still has yet to hit their peak. So it's just like so many different places have so many different standards that it just makes it a little bit tougher to know when anything is going to reconvene and trying to throw a date out there isn't the best idea just because no one knows when anything is going to come back. But at the same time, everyone wants at least some kind of idea, but there's no precedent that we can fall back on. There's no like, okay, if there's a pandemic, this is how we approach it because it has never happened in our lifetime. Like the last time we can think of, you know, leagues and everything shutting down to this point was world war two, probably. Yeah. I, I, I struggle a lot with, I, I enjoy that we're able, I'm able to kind of like escape for an hour, hour and a half with you guys on Sunday. Um, but the frivolity of everything else, I, I have a lot of trouble escaping from it. My, my wife, obviously, as I've said before, I will continue pounding down people's throat works in a, a unit. That's all, all COVID now our entire hospital is slowly transitioning to entirely deal with COVID um, intensive care unit people. Uh, and, and anytime, anytime people throw out a date, like I, you know, I had all these concerts I was going to go to this spring. They're all like pushing to the fall. Um, and that sounds fine. It's nice to have a date to look forward to, but the mental gymnastics involved of like the idea of even going to have like a birthday party, like all of the things that are involved with that. If like, even just to see like 10 of your friends or something it, like the, the struggle that I have to go through mentally to even figure out how that would work feasibly and make me feel safe. And then Comp, you know, times that by, you know, a million and consider uh, the idea of going to a sports game. Like it, it's uh, it's just difficult to see any time soon where this is going to come back in, in a realistic way um, beyond like, you know, imposing Chinese dictatorial measures upon players and like, you know, tracking them to the umpteenth degree, which I, I just seriously, I don't know. I personally, I seriously doubt we're going to be able to like get to that point in this country um, where people are going to be comfortable with that. Yeah, I think what we need to do is Adam Silver needs to flex his muscles, find a deserted island in the Pacific, and we're just flying out there. Everybody, <laughs> we're isolating, and we're going to finish the season <laughs> season out there. It's uh, well, and, and like with the horse thing too, it, you know, everything's so silly right now. It's like, so who's going to be the camera crew? Is the camera crew going to be like just like they're going to prop the door open? They're going to walk in, like keep the distance. Like, what are we doing there? Um, and and you're right that. To me, I still think that the season is going to finish. I doubt they're going to just cancel the season because, as we discussed here, there's too much money on the line at this point. You know, even if you want to just skip to the next season, that's not going to start until God only knows when. So, I mean, it, it's just there's until there's something like a vaccine or, you know, I've seen there's you know, obviously not doing a lot of basketball talk this podcast, but that's okay. We're kind of running low on basketball talk. So um, I, I think until they come up with a vaccine or, you know, 
if they even try and figure out this idea of people having the antibodies already after having recovered, like, is that going to be a viable option? If that's the case, is it going to be like a team full of Christian Woods who are going to try and just finish the season for us in honor of the rest of the NBA? Like, is that going to be the case? So, you know, I, I think anybody trying to come up with any sort of viable solution until there's some sort of clarification on what's a safe way to go forward. And nobody has a clue about that. And the way that things are being handled generally, I mean, some states are doing a really good job, but others not so much. And obviously the federal government, and that's kind of mixed to put it lightly. So you know, I think everybody's just kind of in a tough spot, which is unfortunate. But like Kyle said, we've never experienced this before. So if it takes us some time to adjust and figure out what it's the new normal or how to move forward with it to sort of be normal about it. That just is what it is. Agreed. Well, guys, speaking of um, you brought up players playing games, Kyle, it's time guys for our, our segment. It's back. It's time for Dante's Inferno. All right. Well, and the uh, with the added benefit of when I listened to the uh, Zach Lowe podcast with uh, David Thorpe, he uh, verbatim, I think, what Zach Lowe said about uh, Dante as part of the most improved player race. Uh, he said he's a basketball player, uh, and it just made me think back to to Dante. You know, he was uh, he's an oracle. Um, guys, this what, week's what Dante. <laughs> this week's Dante's Inferno is about the three v three tournament that they played via two K. It was uh, Dante DiVincenzo was the captain of the Bucks team, played with Cam Reynolds and DJ Wilson. They faced off against Seth Curry, Antonius Cleveland, and Dorian Finney-Smith of the Dallas Mavericks. And fellas, one of the reasons uh, that I that is just you mentioned it earlier, Kyle. <laughs> one of the reasons these players playing games like this is so stupid is the fact that like I I I like I used to watch video like people play video games a lot. <laughs> He's coming off. He, heard, he heard you talking. <laughs> One of the reasons I used to watch people like play video games and stuff, and the only reason it's exciting is because you're watching it for the personalities within, mm -hmm. and you have the the a double edged sword of these players. Most of them suck at like video games. Like they're like they're not professional video game players. Mm -hmm. Like they suck at it. Mm -hmm. Two, they're really uninteresting. They're like not interesting at all. They don't have anything interesting to say, as evidenced by me watching 10 minutes of this broadcast here. Um, the Bucks got wiped in almost all of the games. Mm -hmm. Uh in the first one, DJ Wilson didn't have headphones on, so you could hear uh Cam Reynolds and Dante DiVincenzo through his speaker. It would echo constantly throughout the entire time. Um, eventually, in the last game, uh, Cam Reynolds and Dante DiVincenzo were playing, and then it ended. And um, turns out that DJ wasn't even playing. They were playing with an AI player, um, and DJ Wilson had just dropped out mid-game uh, in their last contest. And they both said, well, I guess we were just playing with an AI guy. Um, so... They sucked. It wasn't fun to watch. <laughs> they really didn't have anything interesting to say beyond we're just getting destroyed. Um, and uh, that's what I have for our, our segment this week for Dante's Inferno. Now, the only question I have, you know, I mean, it's been a while since I watched anybody play 2K, so I wouldn't even know what's good versus 
not good. Like I haven't watched the Bucks 2K team or whatever. Would you say in the 10 minutes of pain that you put yourself through, was Dante clearly the best 2K player of the trio for the Bucks? Like obviously DJ's a wash because he just <laughs> he just left. Like Dante versus Cam, what would you say the matchup there in terms of 2K skills looked like? D- Dante, from what I saw was significantly better and he played he he played like how he plays in real life there was a lot of deep shots there was a lot of like he's cutting he's making the extra pass uh maybe sometimes unwarranted when he makes the extra pass like really didn't need it um so i would say that dante divincenzo um really really uh showed out in this one and was the star player for all of them Sorry, just looked at the comments and saw DJ also dropped out of the middle of his NBA career, which made me laugh a lot. Um, but yeah, actually, that is a good point. A lot of the NBA players, I think like Pat Beverly and I and Trey Young for sure have been using the Bucks for their teams, which I think is relatively interesting. Um, just because I wouldn't say the Bucks are like this overpowered, like Golden State Warriors um, type of team, but they are like Giannis is ridiculous. Like I played a little bit of 2K20, and that team and the Bucks are kind of overpowered just because Giannis can do almost everything. He can even shoot at a decent rate. Bledsoe is a beast. Chris Milton can't miss. And then, you know, it's it is kind of true that like playing as the Bucks kind of seems like cheating at this point. Not to the extent of, of playing as the Warriors with KD or even before then, but yeah, a lot of players are using the Bucks and seems like they're winning with them so i don't know maybe this is some vulture talk for riley later on or some good scouting for everyone else but you know get trey young to the bucks i guess let's go we do have some vulture talk related to 2k later that's just a little sampler though so because we we got a lot this week unfortunately and oddly enough we got a lot in vulture talk this week so we'll get into that later oh god all right well that was dante's inferno okay guys um the next segment we're gonna do a little game i put together uh, no idea if it'll be fun. Uh, hopefully it's fun for some listeners. Uh, just went through, I picked out 20, 20 bucks players. I tried to pick pretty well-known ones, um, so we could play along and I picked out some of their nicknames from basketball reference. So I am going to give you guys the nickname and they are anywhere from the bucks. They could be olden days all the way to like, I think I picked only one or two players on the current team. So a lot of them are from before. And I will give you the nickname. Um, Riley, you can go first with your guess, then Kyle, and I will keep track of the score. Okay? So for those of you uh, playing along at home, feel free to uh, keep tally on your own. So the first one I have, guys, is Dauber. It's an old, older buck, uh, you know, from back in the day. I have a feeling you might not get this one, but... Well, so it's obviously not Oscar Robertson because that's, <laughs> that nickname's pretty straightforward for him. Dauber. Uh, maybe. <laughs> maybe it, uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to guess uh, Brian Winters. <laughs> no, no particular reason other than, you know, Dauber. I don't like you think maybe like that. That era-ish, Brian Winters. I don't know if like Big Wint was his nickname or something like that. So we'll just go with Brian Winters. <laughs> I'm just going to go with a player that it seems like it doesn't make sense. So I'm going to go with Vin Baker. It was Bob Lanier. It was Bob Lanier. Yeah. I don't know. That's Dobber, tough... Bob. I suppose, <laughs> I suppose that makes yeah. sense. <laughs> okay, guys. This one, this one, we'll see. Okay. So the first nickname 
is great. He has two nicknames here. First one is Greyhound. The next one is Bobby D. Mm. So it's got to be Bob Dandridge, right? Yep, that's what I was going to guess. Guys, you're right on. I gave it away. (laughs) (laughs) The Greyhound. Now, wait, so Dandridge has his number retired, right? I don't think so, actually. No, because well, I think he was 10. Everybody and their freaking sister has their uh, number <laughs> retired by the box. Right. I'll go look it up right now. This is embarrassing, I'm sure, for everybody who knows the actual history of who's retired and who's no, not. No, I think but... his number was 10, so it's never been retired. God. No, 10's retired. 10's retired. Where... Yeah, Bob Dandridge oh, okay. is retired. So that must have been after Sam Cassell left, because I feel... Oh, yeah, I guess I'm... Yeah. Carl Delfino wore it for a hot second, I think. Anyway, I'm good out. Okay. Track. All right, guys. The next one. The pterodactyl. Could you give us like uh, a decade on this? Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's a <laughs> it's 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 for it's it's a player who played um from two thousand on, not like in the year two thousand, but it's in this century. Okay. Pterodactyl. You know what? Uh Kyle, if you have a guess, this this something's jumping out at me in the back of my mind. I'm just <laughs> having struggle. Who would you know, Kyle? I would not, but I can definitely take a guess at it. Um, I'm going to say Tony Kukoc. I want to say he was like, whoever this was, was like part of the 2010s Bucks. Uh, man, it's going to really anger me whenever you say it. I'll just say like, um, I don't know, like Epi Udo or something. I don't know. I, whoever you say that, I'm going to be like, of course, that's who it is. Here we go. Brandon Jennings. Oh, okay. I is that because he had that hairstyle that one year where he had like the really over the top uh, faux hawk going on or whatever? That's kind of what I would assume it was from. But I have no idea. Yeah. I'm. St- I wish I knew. I'm sorry. <laughs> I wish I knew why That's they did right. this. That's all right. Okay. Next one, the Flying Dutchman. Again, played in the 2000s. Oh, it's oh, got to be. Uh, yeah, I know this one. <laughs> that's Dan Gad's Reach, right? Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah, you guys are on. Your okay. damn gets a reach. Ding ding ding. Great work. Okay. The next one. This is an older player. Big Red or Dave the Rave. <laughs> Big Red. Hmm. See, that one I would have guessed Brian Winters if it was just Big Red, but they might have just changed. I mean, you know, at that era, they might have just given him a whole different name. Like, they just could have ignored his first name completely. Like, <laughs> you're Dave now. Welcome to the squad. You're Dave now. Big Red. Well, did Brian Scalabrini ever play for the Bucks? I don't remember that, but. <laughs> yeah. I'll just guess Brian Winters again. <laughs> no, no particular reason, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I got nothing. All right. it's, uh, it was Dave Cowan. Yeah, <laughs> All right. No, no idea. Yeah. Next no idea. one. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Next one. D Mace. Oh, Desmond Mason. Yep. That's right, guys. Great yes. guess. <laughs> I like how you have like the challenging ones and then a, a real easy one. I, that helps bolster my confidence. I know. Well, I, got, I tried to. I, I didn't actually do it. I did it alphabetically, but now it's working out like that <laughs> okay, to give good. you guys some after some tough ones. Okay. So this guy has four nicknames. I'm going to leave off the last one for now because it's a straight giveaway. Um, but if you're if you're struggling, I'll give it to you. So okay. this guy played uh, 
past 2000, a favorite of a particular, you know, he's a, he's a favorite to a very, very small niche of Bucks fan. Christian Wood. All right. It's <laughs> the nick, nicknames are Big Drizzle. Okay. The two, the truth, Recede Wallace. Wait, repeat the second one. The truth. The truth. <laughs> so this guy was discount Paul Pierce for us. Is that what we're, really? what we're dealing with here? Uh, he liked the he liked the mid range. Oh, okay, okay, I got it. Go for it, Kyle. Drew Gooden. Oh, is it Drew Gooden? Yeah, I wouldn't. Probably Drizzle. Yeah, probably it is probably Drew Gooden. It is. It's okay. Drew Gooden. It's Drew Gooden. <laughs> The last thing I was calling himself that, but okay. Yeah, those were bad nicknames. The there was there was Gooden a coming. summer where it was, this is while Drew Gooden was on the team, but because Aaron Rodgers had obviously pumped up the fact that Drew Gooden hit the mid range, there was a summer where I just practiced the mid range on the driveway, <laughs> and I thought like my form, everything. I thought I was really coming around. I mean, I'm terrible at, at basketball. It obviously receded, <laughs> but there was a summer where I was like, I'm going to model my shooting game after Drew Gooden. Which I don't know. <laughs> That's my story. That's my Drew Gooden story. All right, guys. It's knotted up four to four right now. Uh okay. Next one. Vanilla Gorilla and Ghostface. Joel Prisbilla. Yep. Shout out. My You're favorite. spot on. You're spot Cult on. It's, 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 <laughs> it was Joel Prisbilla. Mm-hmm. Minnesota hero, I think. Didn't he go? I think he went to Minnesota. Yeah, I think he yeah, he did. All right, next one. The last great player. <laughs> The Torch, also known as JB. So the Torch, I would. So I'm thinking, if I'm just working through this, I'm thinking like Human Torch, fucking. Uh, what, what's um, what's the name of that group? The Fantastic Four. They mm-hmm. were hot around the 2000s. The Torch. I know it's not Michael Red because I looked up his basketball reference for something a little while ago, and he only had like one nickname. Try and think about the other nickname I gave you, also known as JB. Yeah, I'm down to two players. I'm just trying to think of which one. Hmm. You have guess, Kyle? I can. Yeah, it's down to two people. I'll go Junior Bridgman. I don't have a guess. It's Junior Bridgman. Nice. Junior Bridgman. There we go. It was either him or Jared Bayless. Those were my. Oh, Jared Bayless would have been a good shout out. Yeah, that was a good one. That was good. All right. So Kyle with the slight edge, six to five. <laughs> uh, okay. Next one. Lou Cap Murdoch Big Fella. Those are his four nicknames. So. When you said Murdoch, I was going to say Eric Murdoch because I was watching a lot of games from <laughs> him last night. However, Eric Murdoch wasn't exactly a big guy, so that last <laughs> one threw me off a little bit. What was the first one? Lou? Yeah. Was the first Lou. One okay. Lou. Cap. Murdoch. Big fella. Actually, wait. I might have this. I'm going to go with Sam Dallenbear. I was going to go with Kareem. It's Kareem. Oh, it is Kareem. Okay. <laughs> that, that, would, that would make sense so. with Lou Alcindor. I don't know why I didn't connect one no, to the I other. But... I just thought of Murdoch and I was like, wait, airplane. Kareem was in that. Let's go with it. 
Shout Damn, Powell's Sam about Brown. to start tearing away on me here. This is going to get ugly quick. <laughs> All right, guys. Next one. WD-40, Baby Joe Johnson. This is like another 2000s guy, obviously. This is a, uh, this is a mo- very modern guy. WD-40. <laughs> Joe Johnson. <laughs> Is it, it's not like, uh, hmm. What number did OJ Mayo wear? <laughs> trying to remember. Double zero. Like, okay. Yeah. Double zero. He had <laughs> double zero. Yeah. Yeah. It was zero. I couldn't remember how many zeros. I'm going to say this is, man, this is tough. WD 40. The nickname sounds familiar. Like I don't think Jim Paschke's ever said it on a broadcast, but I think I've seen <laughs> this nickname going through John Lure. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Bobby Simmons. It's Chris Middleton. WD forty. You know, I thought it was Chris Middleton. That was gonna actually be my guess, but I figured maybe like mids or something was on there. Basketball reference is sort of hit or miss with which which yeah, they have some weird ones. <laughs> That was going to be my guess, though, actually. I'm not going to give myself that point because I said John Lewis like an idiot. But (laughs) (laughs) All right, next one. Nickname is MJ. Is it Marcus Johnson? Is that too straightforward? Uh, MJ. I don't think it's Monte Ellis, so you yeah, can you can rule him Johnson. out. I can't think of any other player that had MJ. <laughs> so you guys go in Marcus Johnson? Mm-hmm. It was him. Yeah, it was Marcus okay, Johnson. All right, there we go. Good work. Straightforward. Good. Work. good. Okay. Very good work. I had to get your confidence back up. Uh, okay, <laughs> this next one. This next one might be tough. Um, past two thousands player, I would say, of relatively recent vintage uh, nickname. Purveyor of fun. I thought you were going to say like the Greek freak. I'm like, hmm. Purveyor of fun. So like in this case, like something John Hansen would have. <laughs> that's yeah. Purveyor of Chipotle. Just throwing the <laughs> yeah. to people. Um, so it feels like in this, this is almost tongue in cheek. Like the person wasn't actually all that fun. That's kind of what I imagine. It went the opposite direction. So I'm trying to think of who's like, was like a miserly player. I'll say Larry Sanders because he gave people, uh, snakeskin shoes and he, uh, seemed like, you know, I'm not sure if I would necessarily describe him as a guy I would, I would say as fun, but there was that one video of him getting in a fist fight with Albanians, and slipping around on the dance floor or whatever. So I'm going to say Larry Sanders. He was pretty fun while he was, while he was here. More than one way. Kyle? Oh, we well, just lost, well, we Kyle. lost Kyle. Well, that means I win. Yep. <laughs> we're going to, we're just going to, we're going to keep going. Okay. We'll hope Kyle gets on. It was Miles Plumley. Oh, with the unicycle, obviously. I don't know what I was thinking. Purveyor, <laughs> fun. Wait, he was the unicycle guy, right? I don't remember at all. No. I don't remember that at all. But or I could have like said John Brockman with the with the dunk contest. That would have yeah. been another good one. Sorry, Kyle. We we gave it away. What what was your guess for the purveyor fun? Yeah. Um, I would go with 
Jared Dudley. It was Miles Plumley. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, sounds about going right. to the strip club in LA after a loss. Yeah, that sounds mm-hmm. about right. <laughs> all right, all right, guys. Next one, Vanilla Thunder. This is a player on the Bucks now. This is one of the players on the Bucks now. It's got to be Pat Connaughton then. Yeah, I was gonna say Pat Connaughton. You're right. It's Pat okay, Connaughton. Good, good guess. <laughs> good if guess. it wasn't a player on the Bucks, I would have guessed Joel Alexander. Okay, the next one. Two nicknames, Mo and Speed Bump. It's not Mo Williams, is it? Speed Bump that's, seems that's gonna be my guess. Speed Bump seems uh, somewhat <laughs> derogatory, so I don't know if he. Right. <laughs> that one seems a little insulting, but maybe I don't know. He's small, so Mo he, Williams as well. Yeah, Mo Williams. It was Paul McKeskey. Paul McKeskey. Obviously known as Speed Speed Bump, mm-hmm. <laughs> one of our yeah, favorite words. <laughs> okay, this next one is tough. Um, skip to my Lou. Hmm. Early. I feel 2000s. like I've heard this one before. Early. Early I feel 2000s. like I've heard this one. Yeah. Hmm. Skip to my Lou. Um. Was that uh, <laughs> um, oh, I can't remember his name right now. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna look it up because of the nickname, but I'm just gonna make sure I got the last name right. Okay. I'm swear I'm not cheating. Oh geez, I can't even type right now. You said yeah, early two so thousands. Yeah. Early two thousands. So that could be. And the weird thing is, I feel like I've heard this before. I'm going to say, I'm going to go with Anthony Mason for no particular reason other than (laughs) just, I hope they gave him a nickname that made no sense whatsoever because obviously it was a horrendous situation all the way around. So that would be a good capper. I think this one, I think this one's Mo Williams. It was Rafer Alston. (laughs) Ah. I would love the etymology that like, is where these really came from. I would love yeah. to know where they came from. All right, guys, this next one, I feel good about it. Here are nicknames. There's five of them: Ray, Ray, Sugar Ray, Jesus Shuttleworth, Skinny Walt, <laughs> <laughs> Gentleman. <laughs> when I think of these nicknames, the one guy that comes to mind that jumps forward out of everybody else is probably Gustavo Ione. So I'm going to, that's going to be, <laughs> that'll be my final guess, obviously. Uh, <laughs> Kyle, do you have any yeah, guesses to who it could be? Uh, you know, after much consideration, it's got to be Bucks legend, Sam Decker. <laughs> <laughs> obviously it's Ray Allen. Oh, right. <laughs> that's good. Oh my God. You guys are good. Okay. Yep. It was Ray Allen. Give me a that. <laughs> three left here and kyle's up 10 to 8 so we'll see if it's if... a huge l for me and <laughs> okay the next one tank so tank so frank kaminsky was never a, even an honorary buck right so i'm gonna guess probably not him no or just was an early 2000s guy When was John Brockman on the team? <laughs> I'm just thinking. It was like uh, mid to late. I'm he thinking. Like, no, like, he was like 2012. I want to say. 
Yeah, I'm thinking big burly white dude. Which, but you, is, yeah, you are you you are close. Okay. Okay. You are right track. Okay, good. All right, tank. Al, do you have anybody? I'm still thinking, and I. Th- uh... I'm gonna say say Andrew Bogut in honor of Kyle's piece from this past week. I'm gonna say Andrew Bogut. <laughs> <laughs> See, I would have guessed Anthony Mason for some odd reason. It was Scott Williams. Oh, Scott Williams stays a legend too. He's just going out there, he's swiping <laughs> at the league. Twenty years later, I want to shout out to that guy. He's awesome. Okay, last two. Second to last one, Sid, the Squid, Sir Sid, El Sid, the zaniest <laughs> color commentator this the Bucks have had in forever. Every single game with him <laughs> was a treat, and it was slightly irritating at times. But you know, I always respect this guy for being <laughs> just a unique individual. It's Sidney Moncrief for this one. Yeah, everyone complains about Gus Johnson. It's like, were you there for Sidney Moncrief? Because some of the games he called didn't make any sense whatsoever. <laughs> I appreciated him as like the first wave of this might even been, I don't know if this is at the end of the Cole era or at the start of the new ownership era, but like the first attempt to try and bring like team legends or like, you know, important team players back into the fold a little bit. So I appreciate that. And Sydney seems like a really nice guy, if a little zany. But, you know, I've seen videos of him semi-recently talking about how, like, they get in fist fights all the time and <laughs> talking about how the league is soft. So uh, shout out to Sydney Moncrief. He's a good guy, too. Yeah, he was good. It spawned one of my favorite inappropriate Twitter accounts as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> shout out whoever was, was the, the curator of that one. Boy, <laughs> my real Bucks fans know what I'm talking about. Um, okay. Last one. Vinny. Okay, that one has to be Vin Baker. It feels like that's a little too straightforward. However, uh, because Vinny Del Negro went by Vinny Del Negro, I'm not sure if that <laughs> necessarily counts, but I'm going to say Vinny Del Negro in this one. It was Vin Baker. It was Vin. Yeah, Baker. I was thinking. I was playing you whatever like Galaxy Brain on that one. Yeah, well, <laughs> guys, I'd say you did pretty well. Okay, okay Riley, you ended all with things nine. considered. Yeah, I got you spent fifty percent. Where's my bad? For some, some of those we were never going to guess, and yeah. that's just okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basketball Reference, very hit or miss. Thank you guys for playing along. I would have, I, I don't even think I would have gotten nine. I, I didn't know like any of these when I looked them up. So that was good. All right. We're going to take a quick ad break here. Uh, on the other side of it, we're going to pick which player from the 93, 94 Milwaukee Bucks we would want on the current Milwaukee Bucks team. So uh, definitely stay uh, tuned. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Podcast listeners, we're back. Live stream people, we're still here. Okay, guys. The 93, 94 Milwaukee Bucks. I'm just going to give it to Riley to kick it off because he has done some in-depth research this time. Mm-hmm. And so I want to hear his informed takes on who he's going to have for the current Bucks. So a little, you know, we like to go behind the scenes on the podcast every week. And this week's behind the scenes was in our Google Doc that we just continually add to for the outline for these. Adam already tipped his hand as to which team it was going to be. He revealed that it was the 1993, 94 Bucks. I didn't know much about the team, I'm going to be honest with you. So I went <laughs> to YouTube, of course, to see 
you know, what I could find just to get a little feel for the players. There was no 93, 94 footage, which is appropriate because they only won 20 games. So it was obviously a God awful team. <laughs> and so the only game I found was a game from 1992 against the Pistons when like Rodman, Isaiah Thomas, um, what's his face? Lambeer was all still there. So Joe Dumar. So it was a, a high powered Pistons team against the lowly first year uh, Mike Dunleavy coached Bucks. The guy who really jumped off the screen to me was Frank Brickowski. Uh Now, the reason, not, not so good in the 93-94 season because he got traded midseason to, I think, it might have been to Sacramento or, oh, no, to Charlotte. Poor guy. But this guy in this Pistons game, four or five times, he would inbound the ball, but he would do like the Kevin Love before Kevin Love was Kevin Love. He slung that thing like a football all the way down to Todd Day for like four wide open fast break baskets out of the inbounds play. Uh, I was impressed too with his mid-range game. He had the size. He, he was assigned with having to try and keep Rodman in uh, check, which I was really impressed with his efforts there. Um, so if I was to choose any guy, and I think you look at him with any sort of big guy in that era, you could say you bring him forward, you teach him how to shoot a three, you say, this is how we're going to do it. Why couldn't he do it? So if I was to choose anybody, you know, off the, off the pile here, the scrap people would probably be Frank Burkowski, just because a little bit of size, you, you can back up Giannis, maybe you can go small ball with them. Passing was on fleek. The mid range was good. So I, I, there was a lot that I saw from him that really, you know, popped off the screen to me. <laughs> I, I I'm not going to have a more informed take than that. So I, <laughs> I I tip my I tip my cap to you, Riley. Yeah, I was going to say it's oh, this is just brutal because <laughs> one, this was the first year they went with the purple and green, so mm -hmm. it's, it, it's yeah, okay. The uniforms were really good in '92, '93. There was still like the end, the all green with the rainbow on the sides. There were some good uniforms. So yeah, it was definitely a yeah, step, it's weird step back. And then there was, I think this is like the second or third year in the Bradley Center. Like they had recently gone to the Bradley Center. And it was funny because I rewatched the um, ESPN 30 for 30 short about the Mecca floor. And they were just saying like at the end, like, yeah, once they moved to the Bradley Center and like got rid of the floor, it, it just didn't bring the same like enthusiasm and like confidence. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense because that's when the Bucks were absolute garbage. But um, <laughs> and it's funny because this is, yeah, this Vin Baker was a rookie. So that was something to consider, but I was going through and I was just trying to look and, you know, right now the three point percentages of these players is abysmal at best. I think the best three point percentage was Joe Courtney, who had a 66 three point percentage, but he took point one. He made point one threes per game and attempted point two. So <laughs> really hard to take that data. Um, <laughs> I went with Todd Day. I don't know much about Todd Day. I'm gonna need Riley to explain more, but he seemed like a decent guard. Um, at this point, he is in his second year, so still a young asset to have. Six six, hundred eighty eight pounds, probably could be a decent backup guard for Wes Matthews. Um, I would assume he couldn't shoot so he was either a really good cutter or a defensive mastermind he didn't start any games either he only started like 39 games but played in 76 so it seems like a guy that would be willing to come off the bench uh wouldn't have issues with his ego so i'm going with todd day just for that fact of it and he averaged 1.4 steals a game so at least it seemed like defensively he would have been okay 
Yeah, so the difficulty with watching the game film was that the the camera angles were horrendous. So like <laughs> the the piston would be coming up the up the floor and everybody's setting up the half court offense, but the only guys you could see in the frame was the point guard who had the ball at the top of, you know, whatever the top of the circle and then literally nobody else. Like whoever was guarding him and then everybody else was like beneath the frame of the camera. So I can't say whether or not Todd Day did a really good job defending cuz he couldn't see it half the time. However, you are 100% correct. He was very he seemed to be very good at using his athleticism, explosiveness and just like constantly cutting, constantly moving, getting, you know, Hail Marys from Frank Burkowski and just <laughs> putting him in no problem. Uh, so I didn't see much from that game in particular. I think it might have been his first game as a rookie or whatever, like the season opener. So a little bit of jitters and things like that. He might have been, you know, whatever, improved in his second year, especially since I think his middle load went up. Um, but yeah, I think that's a pretty good shout. Just uh, as usual, have like another younger guy with a little bit of upside. And who knows, in this era, he might have been like the next Steph Curry had he, you know, gotten a shooting stroke early on. So that's what you pin your hopes on, I guess. <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out how the, this Bucks team wasn't the worst in the league. <laughs> it's kind of impressive. Like they did not have the worst record. That honor goes to the Detroit Pistons that year, who finished with the same record. So I'm guessing there must have been a tiebreaker. And the Dallas Mavericks also only won 13 games. And the Minnesota Timberwolves only won 20. But I think those are expansion teams. So maybe they got a pass for that. <laughs> okay. It wasn't good. I went with Eric Murdoch. Uh, who good I, pick. Good pick. I looked up his nicknames. <laughs> um, one of his nicknames is Murder. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I said 90s. Right. You know, it is what it is. The 90s. What are you going to do about it? Um, they called him Man of, oh, Man of Steel and Steel Magnolia. Because he, some seasons, you know, he was averaging upwards almost two steals a game. Couple seasons. Oh, that season he was at um 2.4 steals per per game. That is really good. Um, so clearly All sort right. of a Dante All DiVincenzo, right. you know, passing mm-hmm. lane type jumper. Yeah. Yep. Um, a little shorter, six foot one. He shot 41 percent from the three point line on on two attempts per game. Um, I I don't know if you were able to see anything from him. Riley in that game, if he was on the, you know, what what he showed that game. The only thing I could find on YouTube was like a three quarters court shot he made in 93, 94. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, otherwise he's really only known for like bringing out apparently uh, abusive allegations against our Rutgers coaching staff that he was with. Um, so shout out to him for being a whistleblower there and then putting out some gross stuff. So um, Eric Murdoch. Yeah. Uh, in the, again, in the limited, this was <laughs> one more from the season before. So take it all with a grain of salt. <laughs> yeah, this is 365 days before the era we're talking about. Uh, but in the game against the Pistons, I, you know, he seems like a serviceable starting guard. You know, the passing wasn't super duper crisp, but I, st- I think he was still sort of young at that point. How old was he in 93, 94? 25. Yeah. So he was still like relatively young. Um, Johnny Mack was complaining about him like committing too early to certain sort of shot types. And he was not afraid to get a shot up, but if he had an <laughs> opportunity. Um, and the other thing about the steals, you know, when you, in this day and age, you hear about how basketball in the nineties either was like the apex or it sucked like no other. I thought it was a little bit of in between, like some of the defensive sequences, Eric Murdoch, he would get a steal, but it would be because like, you know, Dennis Rodman decided to try and do it between the legs, fast break, like pass to another guy on the other side of the court. And so it would just be like, Eric Murdoch was standing there and, and it seemed like there was a lot more 
you could swipe at the ball and they wouldn't call fouls nearly as, you know, as vociferously or as often as they do these days. And so he was a good defender. I'm not sure if it would be like Eric Bledsoe in the modern era because he seemed a little lighter than Bledsoe, but you know, for guard depth for some guy who's willing to take a shot whenever, you know, Eric Murdoch's a pretty good shout. So I agree that I think all three picks, you can almost choose anybody from this roster and find a way to <laughs> make it work. They also, I do want to give a shout out uh, to Johnny Mack and to Jim Paschke because they were wilding out on the broadcast. Some of the st- stuff they were saying, I was like, whoa, <laughs> they were like making fun of Lamb Beer because I think uh, Bush had lost the election a few days beforehand or whatever. And J- Jim Paschke's like, yeah, Bill Lambeer's in a bad mood, and Johnny Max was like, "Why is that?" And he's like, "Jim was like, oh, his guy lost the election," and there's like an there's like an awkward pause for like five seconds. Johnny was like, "All right, no comment." <laughs> and they were also really gassing up Blue Edwards, uh, who came from Utah the, as a free agent, I think, or and I don't know. They seemed like he was going to be the savior, and you know, he averaged sixteen point nine points a game that season in ninety two ninety three. So. Maybe they were right. I don't know. That's what I got. It was it was quite the quite the broadcast. They were definitely a little more loosey goosey back in the day than, than they are in today's broadcast. I'd say. Wow. Well, it sounds like we just made our team better with yeah, the arrival of did. our ninety three ninety four yeah. picks. Frank, Todd, Day, and Eric. Okay, let's move on, guys. It's time for rapid fire questions. Somehow we've we've taken an hour to get to this point. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Kyle wrote them this week. So what you got? All right. So the first one I have is, would you rather be able to sing or be able to play a piano or guitar? So is it, so let me just break down sing or piano or guitar. Are they three options or are they one and then the other? Yeah. One of those three. Okay. I would say I'd actually want to play piano because I can play like a little bit of bass and that's fun and I do enjoy it. And I'm sure it's the same for guitar, but like the one downside of the guitar is everybody and their sister plays guitar seemingly when you're like, you're out of orchestra or whatever. So I think playing piano would be kind of cool. I always respect anybody who just busts out out of nowhere and they can like, you know, play out some chopin or whatever, chopin, however you pronounce that name. Uh, so I'd probably do piano in that case. I think I'd go piano too. I, I mean, even if I can sing, I feel like I'm probably, I'll start singing and people will be like, well, you're not that good. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like a lot of people. Think they can sing. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I'd go piano. Looks like uh yeah. So I'll go piano. Yeah. I, I went with piano as well, just because like, if I could sing the only, especially in this quarantine, Emma would rip my head off and be like, okay, you need to stop singing. This is getting really <laughs> annoying. So there'd be no one to really appreciate it. Um, but piano would be interesting. Plus you could still play like all of your favorite songs on a piano and yeah, guitar, everyone does it. So that was one question. The other one, if you can go to any stadium to watch any team in the world, what would you choose? Ooh. The Bradley Center in 2001. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Bradley Center, I mean, it was cool and everything, but probably not like the apex of uh, stadium design. Uh, I don't really have like a stadium checklist of places that I, I don't Adam, do you have one off the top of your head? Um, I don't know. I mean, if I, I think it would be pretty cool to go to like the actual Mecca, like back in the day. I think that would have been pretty cool because I, like I, I probably would have said Lambo, but I've been fortunate enough to get to go there. Um, and that was pretty cool. So I, I'd say maybe like 
the Mecca back in the day or some of these like really small rinky dink ones where you're like right on top of the court and people are like, you know, yelling and shouting. So I'd say maybe some older stadiums would be kind of cool. Yeah, I was going to say something if I was to choose any, which is super lame because when I was in Milwaukee, I lived an hour north of it. But like Fenway would be, you know, or sorry, not Fenway, uh, Wrigley would be kind Mm -hmm. of a cool just because obviously it's old as hell or like, you know, Madison Square Garden. So I think most of the modern ones, not to say that they're all the same across all of them, but you like going to Target Center up here in Minneapolis, it's kind of like the Bradley Center sort of feel or like Target Field. This is like a modern-ish stadium. Whereas if you go to the ones that are 100 years old, you know, there's some sort of character. There's a lot of history sort of stuff. So I'd go for one of those, I'd say. Yeah, actually, yeah, so Wrigley's pretty cool. Um, Target Field is really nice. I have to Target admit, um, but I, I went with uh, Stadium Azteca over in Mexico City, um, just to either watch Club America or the Mexican national team. They it would just be very intense because they would care a lot. There's the whole altitude. I guess people complain about the smog. So trying to sit through a whole match there, I think, would be relatively interesting. No, I would not want to see Team USA Qatar. <laughs> we're not even sure if they're gonna make it to the world cup they're not the men's team is trash so (laughs) every time i think of Uh, going to see an iconic team i want to go to jerry world to see america's team the dallas cowboys (laughs) put a whooping on the philadelphia eagles that's what i dream about okay um next question if you could be quarantined with one player on the box who would it be Clearly not DJ Wilson. That you're going to <laughs> quick. Uh, you know, as much as I love Giannis, it feels like Giannis could be a lot to deal with, like on a constant basis, just because he's so exuberant. He's got so much energy. He'll like talk about if you're awkward. He'll yell it out amongst groups of people, like he did Chris. He's like, look, look at Chris. He's so awkward. You know, I wouldn't necessarily want that because I feel like I exude some Chris Middleton energy at parties. <sighs> that being the case. Man, I don't know. It's it feels like we know the most about the star guys, and I'm not sure if like Chris, maybe Chris. Chris seems pretty laid back, I guess. If I was to choose any of the guys, I don't know. I think I would choose. I would choose Brooke Lopez. Um, it looked like in the article that came out, he said he doesn't like to talk, which is which is cool. I like. I respect a roommate. Like if I'm quarantined with him, like we can do our own thing. Like, I don't want to be like with people who are like, wow, well, you know, let's get lit. Let's get partied every day. I'm like, I kind of just need to go like watch Tiger King alone in my room or something for a little <laughs> while. Um, so I, I feel like, yeah, I feel like Brooke is who I, who I would pick. I went with George Hill. I feel like he would be like kind of a nice, like he's very interesting just based on like some of the profiles that he's had, but also seems like a very chill dude. Uh, so I went with George Hill. I think, he would be someone that's like, he would have some story about like when he went hunting or something, but like, what? <laughs> or if I, I walked into his apartment, he would have like a deer head just in here. I was like, oh, where'd you get that? He's like, oh yeah, I just did that in like my backyard over in like in, in Fort Worth, Indiana. I'd be like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> Whatever you say, George, sounds good. Some of the stories I'd be like, okay, George, we get it. You, you story, somewhat zany lifestyle. Okay, we got it. You're cool. And then... I had one more. If you had to choose between being able to bike or if you could bike anywhere, so you don't have a car, but you can bike everywhere and have like an e-bike or have everything within walking distance, what would you choose? 
I would probably choose the bike. When I went to the University of Minnesota, I biked everywhere. I like lived pretty far off campus and I would just bike back and forth, even in the dead of winter, which probably not advisable for your safety, but it's like a good way to work on your fitness. You get to see a lot of different things. You can, you know, be a jerk and cut people off and still act like you're a car on the road, which is cool. So I would say all, all those things push me towards having a bike, e-bike or otherwise. Um. I'm not a big biker. I, I like didn't learn to ride a bike for a long time. And even now I kind of am fearful of, of riding a bike. I'm kind of thinking just like I'm going to fall over. I don't ride a bike in Philly because I know I would just get hit like really fast. Um, <laughs> but everything is kind of within walking distance in Philly, actually, which is one of the things I like about it. And I like I like walking. So I, I would do the walking distance. Yeah, after living in St. Paul, I went with walking just because I was riding downtown. So it's like a grocery store was within walking distance, a bar within was within walking distance, getting any even like the stadium of the farmers market. So I was walking, but biking sounds appealing just because it's one of those things that I keep saying, yeah, I should really do that more often, but never end up doing. Yeah, it's difficult. It's definitely dangerous. I've fallen multiple times when it's icy out and you just you eat it and you have to hope that nobody sees it or if there's cars behind you, they're able to stop quick enough before they run you down. So uh, wear a helmet for sure. That, that would be my tip. I remember as a kid riding bike, I'm like, mom, this helmet's so stupid. And obviously uh, I was a dumb 12 year old. So I'm glad they forced me to wear a helmet then and continue to today whenever I ride. So it's my advice today. That is fair. <laughs> uh those are good questions kyle all right you got a film review all right so we got more tiger king because <laughs> when last week i think i got through the first two episodes and i had said this is just me constantly saying what the hell each and every time and it only increased from there so episode there's one episode that features carol baskins who's kind of like the antagonist in the story of joe exotic she runs her own place called big cat rescue and while the purpose of it is to save the tigers she still keeps them captive in cages so it kind of seems hypocritical that was weird and then there's also a running conspiracy theory and and it's 100 true that she <laughs> killed her first her, she killed her second husband she has three she killed her second one and how she did it is up for debate um, whether she had her brother, who's a cop, kill him and then dispose of the body, whether she fed him to a tiger, whether she just killed him herself and then buried him in a septic tank. No one knows, but everyone is convinced in some way, shape or form she killed her husband. Um, so that was one whole episode about that. There were a couple episodes. I think there's like two that were like actually kind of sad because it talked about like the tiger abuse. And how Joe would manipulate these people and use like drugs and stuff to like get them to work for him and marry him. That was kind of sad. And then the last few episodes where I don't know if anyone's gotten this far, but the last few episodes where it's his trial um, in which he had plotted to kill Carol Baskins. And it's just like one of those where they had one snitch and then the snitch talked to the two guys. One of them was the hitman himself, and the other was the guy that pretty much threw the idea out there. And it's like, yeah, we should definitely kill her. This is how you should do it. And somehow those two people get off scot-free and, like, no charges against them, and yet Joe Exotic is the one that takes the fall. And you're just kind of sitting there with the whole legal system. You're like, wait, how... The Yeah, Joe Exotic definitely deserves to be in jail because he still paid someone money to try and kill someone, which is illegal. Uh, but how do these other people... One of them who was hopped up on coke and actually like in the same state or trying to get to there get to her and kill her it was 
it's definitely one of those where you kind of sit and it's like i don't know how anyone else got off without any punishment like the initial whistleblower gets off scot-free the two guys because they gave like they worked with, with the fbi like how all of them are totally 100 okay um it definitely gives me a strong making a murder vibe where it's like i think this was kind of like a scheme to have joe exotic take the fall but now joe exotic at the end is like all right screw all this i'm taking each and every person down so everyone that has tiger farms everyone that has like everyone's going down and, and now they reopen the case on carol vasquez on if she killed her husband so yeah i watched all tiger king it was it's still i think it's even without a pandemic it would have been something that everyone had talked about and watched but it was a wild time that if you haven't watched it I would if you haven't watched it and you can handle like the stories of animal abuse, I would recommend it. If you can't handle the stories of animal abuse, don't watch it because it is actually kind of sad. And yeah, Joe Exotic also ran it for president and ran for governor and got 19% in the governor race for Oklahoma, which seems absolutely ridiculous for a third party candidate to ever have. I so on your recommendation, we gave in. Obviously, I only watched the first two episodes, but I can totally vouch for the fact that there were like, like within each episode, which is like forty-five minutes or whatever. Multiple times, I looked over at my fiance. I was like, <laughs> just like, uh, <laughs> like, did you just hear that? Does that just happen? So, uh, I didn't want to continue. I mean, I'm sure it's entertaining and everything, but it is mostly sad and just dredges up the worst in humanity, which. We already knew existed, but they just put it on full blast here for us. So uh, it, it is entertaining from a train wreck sort of perspective. Uh, beyond that, yeah, kind of. Yeah, I would say all the all the people that like breed tigers and sell tigers and are zoo owners. It's definitely a case of they let the ego get to their head, and the people that are working at the zoo that Joe Exotic has, like you can at least look at the people that work there, like actually work there and take care of the animals, like okay, they're not bad people. They're just trying their best to make a living and they like actually care. But then it's like everyone above them like gets has their ego get to their head. So that's definitely a good... This is a prime example of when too much of your ego gets in the way, it you just set yourself up for failure. What's the final verdict, Kyle? One out, out of ten. ten. Yep. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> so let's recall from last week, you said like the actual content was like a six, but the entertainment <laughs> was a nine. So I think that's where we were at last week. Yeah, I would say the entertainment, it goes, I would say the entertainment goes down to like a seven or eight, just because like oh. there's like a few episodes where it's like focusing primarily on the abuse of the tiger and focusing primarily how Joe like manipulates people with like drugs and stuff to like get him a job or force them to marry him. So it does kind of like get a little somber and sad. So I'd say entertainment goes down to a seven or eight in terms of it gets better. Like documentate, like documentary wise, I would say it goes up to a seven, but the weirdest part is like, you see all these like ridiculous characters and then you have like the prosecuting, like the prosecution team. And it's like, wow, you are relatively sane people. How the hell did you end up on this case? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I would say sevens, both in terms of quality and entertainment, I'll say they're both seven. Solid seven for Tiger King. The verdict <laughs> has been passed. Let it be known. Let it be known far and wide. The seven. Oh, Solid man. seven. <laughs> oh, God. All right, guys. I don't ever have to watch it again. That yeah. I will say that. I will never have to watch it again, but I'm kind of glad I watched it so I can understand what everyone's talking about. From one animal to another, it's not time for Vulture Talk. 
Oh, it's not playing. All yeah, right, Vulture I was, I was, I was like, <laughs> hold up for this. Uh, quick two ones this week. Oh, there, it uh, is. oh, okay. there we go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Vulture. Vulture, who might not actually be a Vulture. So uh, two quick ones this week, oddly enough. <laughs> Uh, one of them was somebody tweeted a picture of a 2K NBA 2K team that had Giannis on the Lakers, of course, and uh, it must have been an online game because they Giannis either blocked the shot. Was, this is this is dumb commentary because <laughs> it's a basketball video game, obviously, but the the digital Giannis blocked a shot and then shot uh, took a like full court heave and then made it and of course the guys in the game the recording were freaking out Giannis retweeted that and said wow can't believe i made that with like a, a crazy emoji face so really i'm hoping that doesn't make him think that he'll start shooting from like half court high rates he's wearing a lakers uniform so we got that the other one was isaiah thomas current isaiah thomas for the wizards was on uh instagram live answering questions because that's what nba players do these days and somebody asked or i don't even know what the context was but he said that Giannis was going to leave milwaukee so that he could sell more shoes somewhere else so uh that's that's the vulture <laughs> talk we don't know any destination we don't know where we just know we're going to be selling shoes somewhere else and uh virtual Giannis made a half court shot and Giannis tweeted about it so that's 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 our vulture talk this week also shout out our own brian at bucks film room for getting his own little vulture talk start started yes, yeah it was good stuff you're right um for those that don't know there was i think someone at sb nation was talking to pat Connaughton about like how he's coping with this whole pandemic and it gets to a question about Giannis, obviously with free agencies like and pat was like yeah we're, we'll support him whatever he does like you know, Giannis has to make that choice. And then Brian, bless his soul, decided to tweet, like, if you read between the lines, it sounds like Giannis might not. It's not looking good for Milwaukee, in which everyone freaked out. It was it was kind of funny because it was the same generic interviews that everyone gives. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, we'll support him. We'll support player X for whatever decision they make. But because it's Giannis, it was even more with people and it's like thanks brian thank you for giving us the content we needed <laughs> shout out brian oh god all right okay next up it's time for the fountain pen review unfortunately i because i rushed in here uh whatever after the run i don't have a fountain pen ready to go so we can either delay this for a week or i can put it on you guys can talk about something else and i can go run and get a pen but i do not have one available unfortunately this is really embarrassing Let's uh let's save it. Let's okay. you know let's let people let the people yeah. sort of you know thirst for it for a week. They need to know what they're missing when we're not doing a fountain pen review. That's, so table that be for a week. Significant decline in downloads this week. I just have yes. a feeling. So that's <laughs> yeah. This is this is when it all goes downhill. They're gonna find out and they're like, wow, I waited an hour and seventeen minutes, minutes for this, and there's no fountain, fountain pen, pen review, review, and there's none. What the hell is this? One star? One star Bury- rating? <laughs> burying the lead, but you know. Next week, I'll have something good. Okay, guys, let's close it out. As per his tradition, mm-hmm. our weekly predictions. How do we think the Bucks did this week on NBA Game Sim? The four games that they are playing at Boston, at Philly, RIP, sad. I was going to be at that game. Home versus Brooklyn, and then at Cleveland. So what are you guys' predictions for how they'll do this week? And someone can someone remember? Does anyone remember what the narrative is coming off last week? The I think the narrative from last week was the fact that 
they had one had a perfect week after sputtering a little bit against lesser competition. They were back right in the race. However, Kyle had a good point. They weren't actually going to be talked about by anybody in the national media. It was just going to be like, oh, the Bucks won. And that was going to be it for the conversation. So we're back, but nobody cares. So I think that's the state of the narrative right now going into this week. Yep, because of Toronto's two losses to Milwaukee, they slip in the standings. Boston is now the new team to beat in the East. Mm -hmm. Philly makes a slight resurrection. They win like one or two games, and everyone's thinking they're back. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, that was kind of the narrative. Okay, what are your predictions then? R983's got them at two and two. What are you guys thinking? So I went really pessimistic last week. Mm -hmm. And that bit me in the ass. I (laughs) I think I'm going to go three and one. They beat Boston. <laughs> they they do win against Boston. They lose to Philly at the road because Philly at home is ridiculously good for some odd reason, but then beat Brooklyn and beat Cleveland. I think they're going to go two and two, but I think they'll lose against Boston and Philly. They'll win against uh, Brooklyn and Cleveland, and it'll be right back to, oh my God, the Bucks are maybe the worst team of all time. So that's where I think we're going <laughs> to whiplash this week. Okay. I think three and one with a surprising loss against Cleveland. So, uh, all right. I've simulated these games. Beforehand, let's see how we do. First one against Boston. Oh, not a good one for your Bucks. Uh, Bucks lose one sixteen to eighty seven over in Boston. That is tough. Uh, wow, really I bad. Like, Go ahead. We're really missing these games because if we if this was actually happening, oh my god, the comment <laughs> sections, the engagement oh. would be out of control. So this is really a downer for the site traffic numbers. Guys, the highlights from this one. Uh, they shoot 26 threes, which feels low. Um, they shoot 15.4% from three point land. The bucks do four out of 26. <laughs> so that's one of, <laughs> that's so not too one crazy those, though. We've had games like that before. <laughs> so that's not too outside. 15% though. I don't think. Wow. <laughs> Chris Middleton, six points, clearly disappearing oh. in from the spotlight. Three against nine, the team. He's supposed to really show up against too. Right. He can't do it against the Celtics. What is he out there for? Scores the same amount as Robin Lopez. Um, <laughs> Robin stepping up big time and when DJ, he's needed. Oh, DJ Wilson had five points. Not sure why he got in, but <laughs> garbage time. That was garbage time. That's true. That's true. Um, and yeah, it, I mean, it's just the it's the usual couple headed monster for Boston. You know, Jalen Brown, Kemba, and Hayward all have eighteen points. Um, Jason Tatum just six points, so good defense on him. And of course, Daniel Tice eleven points, ten rebounds, a big double double for him. Seven illegal screens. Uh, <clears throat> <laughs> okay. All right, um, so that's tough. So off to a bad start, 0-1. Okay. Um, I'm looking good right now, though. <laughs> <I'm not. laughs> All right, here we go. Oh, this is at Philly. Bucks win 111-95. Now, instead of breaking down the, the stats on this, <laughs> you tell us how you would be feeling in the arena. What would the experience be like for you <laughs> if you were live? Okay, yeah, so I... I mean, it's 111 to 95. They're clearly dominating the, the 76ers. I'm in the mm-hmm. stands with my buddy Quinn, who's a Sixers fan. <laughs> he has, the, he has the braid. Uh, he, he has, has the, the necklace. He has the necklace. <laughs> authentic fan. Um, you know, I'm, you know, he's getting all excited because, like, in the third quarter, Shake Milton scores like nine points. And he's <laughs> yeah. like, guys, we're coming back. Um, and then. As per usual, Ben Simmons, who's back at this point, you know, his back is destroyed, but he's fighting through it. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, no Philly fan cares about that. They just care that he's sucking down the stretch. So he's like, 
it's you know the game is done and we're just like yeah i don't know quinn looks seems like the bucks are pretty good he's like well, well ben simmons uh can't even score a point like down the stretch can't even shoot and then Embiid is just fat doesn't even freaking play out there <laughs> shake milton i i don't even know i i don't know why he's not starting over richardson like clearly this guy is is the second coming of ai uh so and i i slowly walk home and know that my bucks are victorious and destroyed them 25 points from Giannis, chris middleton only 10 points oh man this is a tough uh, week for chris <laughs> this is not good really not doing that well wow oh i didn't realize this ben simmons didn't play oh. in the game okay. <laughs> nba game so comments are correct <laughs> <laughs> he's still railing on him he didn't even play <laughs> that wussy um wow it's Wow, it, guys, this is a pretty good win because Philly still shoots 38.2% from three, but the Bucks hold them really, really poorly shooting from two-point land. Embiid, only 13 points. Um, Glenn Robinson scores 12 for some reason. Alec Burke scores 10. Shake Milton, just six. So, <laughs> How many points did DJ have now that he's hot? Now the Bucks oh, trusting them. Zero. <laughs> <laughs> zero for DJ. Uh, but, you know, pretty good balance scoring across the board. Giannis with 25. Eric Bledsoe is the next highest at 12. Really, they really balanced it out here. Robin scores eight. I really like Robin, Robin Lopez. Lopez and this is NBA game. So, yeah. He's been really, I mean, and I'm saying MVP numbers, but, I mean, <laughs> similar. Are, we, are, you, are you saying maybe non-Giannis MVP <laughs> yeah, is Robin Lopez? <laughs> through these three weeks. Through these three weeks, potentially, yes. Okay, guys. So, they're one and one Big win over Philly. This next one is they're back home for Brooklyn. And wow. Oh. I like to imagine KD after coronavirus, he actually healed his ACL (laughs) through it. So he's back. That's (laughs) ACL. (laughs) Okay. Well, the original sim that I had, and then I accidentally hit backspace because I saw good computers, uh, was 130 to 70, but now it's 122 to 99. Bucks win. Um, So another big win for the Bucks at home. You know, it's. It's getting normal now. We're coming back. Giannis with 28. Chris with 17. Bounces back. Sort of. Uh, Brooke, Brooke Lopez. Sort of, yeah, very much sort of because he was 8 of 15 from the floor. Brooke Lopez has 15. Bledsoe is 13. Marvin Williams with 9. Um, DJ again, 0. Uh, tough look for him. What about Robin? Yeah, this one's just a standard win, guys. Nothing. No, Robin Lopez. Sorry. 6. Solid yeah. six and six. Yeah. The, the six rebounds is what I'm looking for. That's what I really care about. So <laughs> great. Wow. Okay. All right. So two and one. Let's this feels good for happen. you, Kyle. This, this feels good. This one's at Cleveland. Okay. I'm worried about this one. This is a trap. This has trap game written all over it. 110 to 98 bucks win. Yes. Did, did Giannis play or was that load management? What are we dealing with here? <laughs> wow. A 33-point effort from, from Giannis. A really big <laughs> game. But definitely no load management. <laughs> wow. And Chris, 22 points. There we go. He just needed really? the worst team in the league to play against. <laughs> <laughs> just joking with you, Chris. We love you. Come on. Just joking. Ursan. Ursan notches nine. Robin finally dips a little, just two points. Brooke Lopez, um, like we all expected, has one point. Uh, I don't really know why, but (laughs) (laughs) he 
never goes the free throw line in this particular game. He brings it down low. Uh, yeah, so weird game from the Bucks. Oh, yeah. I mean, so Cavaliers team is really sad. Um, yes. Kevin Love, 19 points. Andre Drummond, 17 points. Tristan Thompson with 12. Uh, just a rough shooting night from them overall. They shoot just 25.7% from three. The Bucks shoot 40% from three. Again, weirdly shoot only 27 attempts. I, I really think NBA game sim needs to adjust that just a little. Um, but I appreciate their commitment to something. realism to realism <laughs> yeah. to, to, to bringing us through this dark time right now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, guys, that's a pretty big, pretty good week for the Bucks. You know, three and one tough start with the loss to Celtics. That one probably still gets the most most mm-hmm. national media. Yeah. But, um, yeah. you know, someone let us know what the narrative is at this point. In my mind, you're right that nobody really cares. I would say the Philly game, it's probably marquee. Um, would, it, would that have been like a Tuesday or like a Thursday? So, like, you know, let's figure national game, obviously, mm-hmm. all the lights. So I'd say we get a little bit of juice out of that, but. It's more so not so much the Bucks. It's Philly really, really sucks. Look at me turn on that. People are going to turn on Philly more than they will back the Bucks. And then going after, you know, the final two wins, that's just what they got to do. So if we're still on pace. They're going to have a historic season, but we're like, eh, you know, maybe a three point shooting is, isn't as reliable. And now they're taking 14 less than they nor- normally do. <laughs> you know, maybe the offense is still sputtering a little bit. So there's still questions, I'd say, but maybe not nearly as much as two weeks ago. Yeah, I would say the narrative is Celtics firmly established themselves in the second seed. Uh, Toronto is still slipping, but they get third. Uh, Philly has fallen. The wheels have fallen off. They are a sixth seed, but they're distant of uh, fifth seeded uh, Indiana. And for the Bucks, everything's going well. They clinched the one seed. Everyone's happy. Giannis is still building an MVP case um, because the Lakers lose a couple games. And while LeBron dominates, the team doesn't. And Giannis is back in the MVP favorite. I appreciate that Kyle's narratives, they not only just for the Bucks, they also stimulate the, <laughs> the We're getting team everyone. Game. Everyone's getting it. <laughs> oh, well, it's going to be next week is our last week of regular season games. Um, so <laughs> I, sad. To, be, to be honest, I still haven't figured out how to really make the gimmick keep going. I got to <laughs> brainstorm on that. <laughs> but uh, we'll we'll work on that. Yeah, uh, time. Yeah, all the time in the world right now. Uh, in in the meantime, thank you to everyone who's listening. Thank you to those of you who tuned in on the live stream. Our ninety three and 13, 8, 13, 14 bucks. We appreciate you guys. It's fun to have you guys on here. Uh, makes it more fun for us for to, to do the live stream. So thank you for joining us. Thank you to everyone listening. Please, as per usual, stick to social distancing guidelines. Please be safe out there. Be healthy. Uh, you can go to brewhoop.com. You can see. We've got going on there. Drop the podcast. Follow us on 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 Twitter at, at Brew Hoop. Um, Kyle's got some more pieces in the works too with his his What If series. So um, stay tuned. Thank you to everyone for listening, and uh, we will talk to you again soon. Mm-hmm.